0: i with Mary Viloni. I'm your host, Mary Viloni, and this is the place where aspiring six and seven figure fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Today, we're in episode 130, and we're going to be talking about the six key components of a successful home fundraiser. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to highlight a few things off of these last few episodes that we had. I hope you've gotten a chance to listen into the episodes with Mary Highland who's specifically talking about board development and partnering with your board so that you can see some great success. We also talked with Paul Klein who helped us on just looking at our pricing and realizing that we've got a lot of power in that pricing. So, you know, I've been really excited about these interviews that I've been doing. I've got some really great ones coming up. I'm gonna be talking to uh, Danny Osmond, who's gonna be sharing a little bit about uh, podcasting. So if you've ever thought about, hey, maybe my charity, uh, we could consider doing some podcasting. If you enjoy listening to my show, maybe others that wanna support your cause would enjoy listening to your show. So I have invited Danny on. I also am interviewing um, a young lady, Meredith Noble, who is an amazing grant writer. And so we have an incredible conversation just about learning how to do grant writing. She's got great tips. So do not miss these upcoming episodes. Uh, And today, you know, we're going to be jumping in and talking about the home fundraiser. And, you know, it's this time of year where, hey, the weather's starting to get a little bit chillier and people start thinking about the holidays. We're just a few weeks away from, from Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas is around the corner and before you know it, we got New Year's and now we're into a whole new year, right? Uh, But people do enjoy spending time together this time of the year. And so what a great season, what a great time to invite people to come together at someone's home. And so many people ask me about putting on big scale fundraisers because they know that I've done them in the past. And of course, um, you know, I train people on how to raise funds that way. Uh, But one thing I want you to consider is that you don't have to do a fundraiser that is that Huge. You can do really intimate fundraisers in someone's home and they be just as successful. I know I shared with you guys a few episodes back about a fundraiser I did in Washington DC uh, with just 50 people. Um I am gearing up for a fundraiser just like actually in a few days. Uh, and, and we're working with, we're planning on only having about a dozen to two dozen people that are going to be in this home fundraiser that are coming to this, this fundraiser. And I'm really, really excited about it because, uh, it has the six key components that I want every home fundraiser to have. And I want to share that with you guys here today. Okay. So first things first, when you're thinking about putting on a home fundraiser, I want you to start thinking about location. So just like real estate, location, location, location. It means everything when you're talking about putting on an event. I don't care how big, how small, location is critical. Because if people don't want to come to your location, it doesn't matter how good your cause is, it doesn't matter how good you are, they aren't gonna come. Okay, so we want to make sure that the location is great and it's it's an appeal, it draws people in. So one thing I want you to think about when you're thinking about that location is Where are we going to have it, okay? So I want you to think about maybe somebody who is a supporter of your organization, somebody who has a beautiful home, who loves to, maybe has the gift of hospitality and just enjoys having people over. They are a great candidate. For years, I put on a fundraiser in January, and it was uh, this couple that hosted this fundraiser. They always did a beautiful job. Their home was always decorated for the holidays, and it was in a gated community, really beautiful space. And they just, they loved showing off their home and we loved being able to show it off, you know, and they, I knew that when they built it, they built it with this in mind. They wanted to use their home as a space where they could host fundraisers like this, where they could invite people into their home to give to causes that they cared about. So think about that one person, that couple, that family, uh, that may, be a good candidate to host your home event to actually have it in your home so that is the first key component is we're going to talk about logistics so having the right location really thinking through where do we want to have it and when are we going to have it and what time are we going to have it so you start thinking about all those things but first I want to t- I want to teach you how you can actually ask somebody so this don't overthink this home event uh, location all it is is calling up somebody somebody reaching out to that person that may have a good home to use you know for this occasion and all we're going to do is tell them hey we were thinking about hosting something this fall hosting something at the beginning of the year would you ever be interested in opening up your home to us for a gathering like this and just get their opinion, get their thoughts, see if they would ever even be interested. Don't have a date picked out, don't have all the specifics nailed down, purely just ask them if they would ever consider it, if they would even be interested. And sometimes people will go out of their way and ask if they can host something for you, which is the case of what's happening with this fundraiser that I'm gonna be at here in the next few days. So that's the same thing, is is that it's like, make sure that it's somebody who's really interested in doing something like this for you, or that you ask them, that's usually the case, right? So whenever somebody says, how did you get plugged in with this organization? It was either one, I asked to get involved or two, they asked me, right? It's 50-50, it's either they're gonna you know, put themselves out there or they're going to, you're gonna ask them to uh, open up their home to you, okay? So once you have your location secured and you have that person who's willing to open up their home to you, start looking at the calendar to see when is a good time for you to host this home event, okay? obviously we want to avoid any major holidays Uh, one of the things that i want to uh, throw out there is just these are the three dates three times of the week that i think work the best when it comes to home events and actually i think they're the best times when it comes to hosting any sort of meeting or gathering okay so take notes all right tuesdays thursdays and sundays okay Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays are the best days for meetings, okay? Best days for gatherings like this, especially when it's a home event, it's low-key, come on over, and typically I want to see the evening, okay? So a 7 p.m. start time, let them get home from work, let them get acclimated, whatever it is, if they've got a babysitter, they've got to, you know, make sure that their kids are taken care of, or they just want to take their shoes off for a second and uh, relax for a moment and then come on over to your gathering, okay? So Tuesdays at 7 p.m., Thursdays at 7, or Sundays at 7, those are my favorite times to host gatherings like this, okay? Um, And when I say that, it's because, you know, Mondays are so hectic, you're just getting the week off. The ground, the last thing you're thinking about is going out on a Monday night. You got Wednesdays, there's a lot of people who are involved in in their ministry work or whatever, and they do a lot of things on Wednesday night. Fridays, it's the weekend. People are checking out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Fridays Fridays and Saturdays are like the most peak times. So those are the days where people are like really looking forward to enjoying time with family and friends and going out and whatever, whatever it is that they do. And of course, Sunday mornings, church, whatever people have going on in a Sunday, we don't want to hit immediately. Now, I... I know that a lot of people plan out like baby showers and wedding showers, all those kinds of things. A lot of times people will choose to do those on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, and that's great. But think about how you're only going to be hosting that one baby shower or that one bridal shower once for that person. And if you are, you know, a family or a friend of somebody who's having a baby, you're going to rearrange your schedule to make sure that you're there. And most of the time, you're giving, you've been given a heads up well in advance, okay? So think about how people are traveling on the weekends or what's going on during the week and make sure you pick a good day for you to be able to host this home gathering, okay? Like I said, I love a Tuesday, Thursday, or Sunday night. Um, And honestly, out of all of those dates, Thursdays Thursdays are my favorite. So I don't, I've told you before that people are just more generous on Thursdays and there's something about gathering together right before the weekend and it's just people are in a good mood. Okay. So, uh, so then from there, so logistics is really important. What are you going to serve? You know, food, all that kind of stuff. What kind of, you know, what are you going to tell people as far as what can they expect logistically? You just want to work those details out. Okay. The next thing, number two, the second key component is your guest list. Uh, It is really important when you're thinking through the guest list of a home gathering that people feel comfortable. So whenever you are inviting somebody to come over, they need to know that there's at least one or two people that are going to be at this gathering that they know and they really want to see. So this is why I like to start off with a a few key people in advance to say, hey, we're working out the details on on this home fundraiser. Are you able to come on this night at this time? Would that work for you? And so I'm hand selecting a few people that I'm really revolving this fundraiser around because I know that if I can get those key people in the room, then other people are going to want to come. You see that? So let's just say you have an honorary chairman or you have a chairman of a fundraiser or somebody who's a high profile person that you're like, oh, everybody loves that person. If they know that they're gonna be there, they'll do everything in their power to make sure that they come. And that's the person that I'm going to reach out to in the very beginning before we secure the date and time. Because if you find out later on that it's like, oh my gosh, nobody can come to this fundraiser and you revolved everything around your own personal schedule and now nobody can come, obviously you've got a problem, right? Then it's, you don't have a successful event before you even started. Same thing with those guys will give you a heads up on, oh, this is a big sports weekend, or we're gonna be traveling, or a lot of people are traveling this weekend because of da, 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 you know? So all of a sudden you start to get the information that you need to know to make sure that, hey, this is even a good time for people to come to a gathering like this, okay? So the guest list though, hand-select that first group. This is really my uh, tip for you across the board, regardless of whether it's a home event or if it's a larger scale fundraiser or any sort of fundraiser for that matter, is that I want to make sure that people understand that uh, you know they were hand-selected, that they are special, that they we want them to be there. So there's always going to be that core group of people I go to first. You know, think about when you're planning a a holiday holiday gathering, a birthday party, anything, uh, when you're trying to get people in the same room together. Who are the people that you call on first? Is it mom and dad? Is it a sibling? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids that you're talking to? So you're making sure that the core crew can come to that gathering. And then if They all say, yep, we can make it on that date. Then all of a sudden, now it's okay to start sharing it with the rest of the family. Okay. You see that? So it's the same thing with a home gathering like this is that we're going to try and pinpoint a few key people, make sure that we have the right time that works for all of them. And then once you've got them secured, now we can tell the masses because now everybody's going to be like, oh, so-and-so is going to be there and you need to be there. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, I guess I got to rearrange my schedule because I've got to be there and, you know, I have to come, you know, support this. So Okay, the next thing on my list is number three is the agenda. So, what are you going to put on this agenda for this home fundraiser? How are you going to uh, plan out the time that your guests are going to be in this person's home? What kind of experience are they going to have? So, I want to talk through the agenda real quick, just to just to give you a brief idea of what what does a typical agenda look like for a gathering like this. Okay, so once people arrive, let's just say it's a 7 p.m. start time. So at 7 p.m., I'm going to open up the doors. Come on in, and by 7:30, I'm going to start to say, "Hey guys, everybody, you know, grab your food, come sit down. We're going to be sharing some information about uh, the cause that we brought you all here together to hear more about." Right? So I like to to really get things moving within 30 minutes of them arriving, and for some events, I'll even do it within 20 minutes. It just depends on how short your window is, how how quickly people are going to be coming and going. So if you're trying to keep this pretty quick and maybe maybe you're like hey we're gonna try and do this over a lunch hour or we're gonna try and do this in the evening is more of like a mixer time frame just you know adjust the time frame here based on the, you know, the allotment of time that you have for your gathering. So, But if we're talking about a seven o'clock, I like to have that program going in about 7.30, and then that gives us about 20 minutes or so, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, to where we can really share about the cause, we can give people details about the work that's being done and move forward with that. Okay, so here's how that agenda typically goes, okay? I like to have the person who's hosting the gathering be the person who welcomes everybody. So obviously we're in their home. So it's nice for them to be able to say, hey guys, welcome to our home. Thank you guys so much for coming and for being a part of this. We're excited to introduce you to fill in the blank, uh, you or the cause itself. And thank you for taking the time to hear more about the work, the incredible work that's being done through this cause. Great, done. Okay. If they can give a testimonial, if they can share a little bit more about, hey, we've been uh, supporters of the cause for the last five years, and we just love the work that's being done here, guys, you have to honestly consider being a part of this and giving to this cause, okay? So they can give a little bit more of a testimonial, more of a you know push. If that's possible, I would be all over that, okay? I would absolutely ask them if they would share a little bit about why they decided to give to the cause and also just... you you know why they're involved or why they're a part of it why they even opened up their home to you okay and then as then, they'll, of course, introduce you. I like to have not only the main person who's a part of the organization, but I also like, if possible, to have somebody in the room who is a uh, a beneficiary of the of the work that you do. So whether it's somebody who can, you know, another person who can give a testimonial, but giving it from a different perspective. So maybe from the rec- receiving end, or uh, maybe it's a family member of somebody who's received your services. So you start to see that it's like, hey, it's another face, it's another testimonial testimonial to just give credibility to the to whatever it is that you're going to say about the work that you do so anytime that you can add in those other voices the better it is for you and the work that you do because it just adds credibility to what you do okay so having that testimonial um, and of course you can be the one who introduces that person or whoever it is that's you know the being the spokesperson for your cause that night they can introduce that testimonial after they've shared a little bit about what is your mission What is your vision? What is the difference that you're making in the world? And then being able to to verbally say what it is that you do, but then being able to pass it over and say, you know what, It's, it's fine for me to tell stories about the work that we do, but it's always so much better when it comes from somebody who's received our services. So let me introduce you to, and then if that person's in the room, they get to share a little bit about their story, and then you can tie things back into whatever they said into the work that you're doing. Okay, after you share all this great work that is going on, this is where we move into the ask. And so during this time, so we've got that agenda, but the fourth part is the materials. So the fourth key component of your home fundraiser is having some material that you're going to give to them. Now, I'm not talking about a brochure or pamphlet or anything like that. It may just be a single one pager. And that's what I'm doing for this fundraiser uh, that I'm working on here, this home event. And it's just a single one page with a response form on the sheet of paper. There are so many different ways to do this. You might do a small card. You might do an actual, I mean, you you may think that it's better for us to present a full packet. You know, I've talked about the presentation packet in the past. You may want to present that eight page presentation packet at this home event. This is a great place to do it. So, uh, but all I want you to see is that there's some sort of material that's really uh, giving them a visual of the things that you're Saying. So if you're verbally telling them, these are the things that we need uh, support for, we need help, financial help with, then here they have it in front of them and they can visually see, okay, I see how, what you guys need and how I can help, how I can come alongside you and the work that you're doing. Okay. So those materials is number four. That's a really important part of the fundraiser as a whole. Number five is those presentation, you know, is the actual like making the ask. Okay. Key component, let's ask for money, right? Like what's the point of doing a fundraiser if we don't ask for money? So this is a critical component, making the ask. I get this question all the time. Who should make the ask at a home event? Who should make the ask at a larger group gathering, a larger fundraiser? Who should make the ask? And here's the thing, I am looking for a dynamic person to make the ask, okay? Somebody who's not afraid to flat out say, here's how you can be a part of this, Here's how you can say yes to the incredible work that we're doing. Sometimes it is that executive director. Sometimes it's the development director. I I don't really have like, oh my gosh, this is the person that has to do the ask. The main thing is is that I want to add credibility back to the presenter, back to the main speaker. So I like for the person who's presenting to share ways that people can get engaged, okay? Just giving a broad overview of here are some of the ways that our people get involved in the work that we do. But then being able to pass off the torch to someone else who can say, all right, guys. And sometimes it's the person who is hosting the the gathering, it's the person who's, this is their home, and they can come back around. And if you've got somebody who has that person personality who has the ability to say, all right, people, like flat out, we're not messing around here. They need financial support. They need help. They need us to rally around them. Like we can't just sit back and not do anything. So if you've got that person who can just be like, all right, here's how we can be a part of this. You want that person to come in afterwards. So for the sake of this gathering that I'm doing, I'm actually going to be that person. So I'm going to be the one who follows up after the presenter speaks, after the, the, the main director shares His testimonial and everything that's going on in in their work, then I'm going to come behind him and I'm going to be able to share those print materials and then also basically seal the deal. (laughs) So, and it is it's an important role and I don't take this role lightly because it is important to clearly share what are other people doing and how can you be a part of it too. And so I know that sometimes when you're the executive director or that point person for the organization, it is. It is hard to be the person who pats yourself on the back and says, I'm kind of a big deal. We're doing a lot of awesome things. And, you know, you can do it in a way where it's like you can share the stories told by other people. And that's a great way just to be like, you know, we had uh, one of our donors came and shared how incredible it was to be a part of our the work that we were doing. Here's what they shared and why they were a part of it. Now, that's great. But it is always better if you've got that person who can, from a personal testimonial, personal standpoint, say, I have been a witness to the work that's being done here. And I cannot tell you the life transformation, the life change that is happening out of the work that this person and the people that this person represents is making in the world. And being very honest and blunt about the fact that we cannot sit back it is not okay. So if you've got somebody who can do that, oh my gosh, that's the best, that's the best thing that you can do is empower them, ask them if they will close and if they would make the ask on behalf of your cause. Give them clear guidelines, give them clear information about what you want, what you're asking for, and allow them the ability to step in and speak on your behalf. Okay. So that is number six, and then the or that's number five. Number six is the follow-up. So so often. Often we put on these small group gatherings or even large scale fundraisers and we don't do the follow up. So I don't care, and I know that this sounds probably, eh, I don't know, good or bad, I'm not sure, but I don't necessarily put on one of these home events because I think that everybody's going to come. I get it, people have a busy life, they have kids, they've got activities. Families, travel, whatever comes in work, and so I know that it's going to be hard to get everybody to come to one group gathering, one home event. So I don't always look at the fundraiser as being, oh my gosh, this is how, where we have to raise all all of our money. If they don't come, it's the end of the world. I actually really like the fact that this is an excuse. It's an excuse to get people together. It's an excuse to talk about your cause. It's, and I don't know about excuse, but I mean it is a reason. So it's a reason to tell people about hey you should come over to so and so's house we're having a gathering and we'd love to have you come it's going to be great so and so is going to be there and you know so and so and they would love to see you so if you can make it that would be awesome so what am i doing i'm giving them a gift I'm I'm offering something to them. How how often do we find ourselves in our nonprofits feeling like we're always asking for a handout? And so when you put on a gathering like this, now you're saying, "Hey, so this this couple this family is hosting a gathering in their home and i would just love for you to be able to come it's going to be so much fun and it'll be even better if you can come now you have a reason to reach out to them a reason to invite them to come now if they say no now we're uh now we're ready to say okay uh totally okay not a problem you know i totally understand that you can't make it let's find a time to connect in the next couple weeks okay you know we'd love for you to come but i'd love to share how the event goes and you know and the information that i'm going to share is really important and i'd love to be able to to still share that information with you whenever you have time and then find a time for you to connect and if you can't do it right when they tell you that they can't make it that's okay so, following the event, you're going to reach out to everybody you invited, whether they came or they didn't, and you're going to either one say thank you so much for coming, here's what happened at the event, or two, we're so sorry we missed you, here's what happened at the event, let's connect. You know, so for both of them, we're looking for an opportunity for us to get together following this great gathering, uh, and we're going to make it sound like it was the best thing ever, regardless of how many people show up. It's going to Be amazing and they were so missed, and we wish that they could have been there, you know. But now we've got a great reason for us to connect and for us to talk after this event has happened. And even if they did come, you still want to follow up, you still want to have those follow-up conversations to just hear more about uh, how they want to get plugged in, how do they want to be a part of the work that's being done, especially if they responded on your response card that they wanted to hear more or they wanted to get plugged in, okay? So that response form is really important at your gathering, so part of that material, you know, the materials that you share, we want to give them a place, an opportunity to respond. Now, I was just recently at a gathering just like. this it wasn't in somebody's home but it was in a in a meeting space that was open to the public so it was a great very similar kind of gathering um this the presenter shared a great story of the work that was being done but they didn't ask for a response so they never asked anybody to do anything and so the event was great, the gathering was great, but there was no follow-up, there was no response. I didn't say, you know, yep, I'll be a part of it, or nope, I don't wanna hear from you guys again. <laughs> like, I mean, there was no way for me to respond. And then there was no follow-up. So it's been months, and I haven't heard a peep. You know, no, fault, fo- no like, hey, thank you so much for coming, it was great to see you, none of that. And that's where I feel like so often we go wrong is you spend all this time, all this energy, all this money to put on a group gathering like this, you know, in somebody's home or in a, in, you know, at a restaurant or in uh, a neutral environment. And then you never take advantage of what it, you know, what the whole intention of gathering these people was for in the first place. So don't miss out on the opportunity that you have right here. And sometimes it's better when they don't come because now, I mean, what's better for you to be able to get face to face with them or for them to be in a group environment? I guess it just all depends on the kind of people that you're engaging with. So I I love it. It doesn't matter whether it is in a big group or in a small group or what one-to-one, face-to-face, all I want to do here is Get my message in front of them. Give them an opportunity to get plugged in. And I love being in a group environment because now all of a sudden you've got all these personalities and all these people who are involved at different levels. And you can really shine a light on the people that are doing what you want everybody else to do. So make sure that you grab those examples, you know, from the people that are, you know, that you want to have there. Make sure you prep them and say, hey, would you mind sharing just for a few minutes about the, you know, how you've been involved in our our cause? And that gives them a platform to share why they love the work that you're doing. And do not miss this, okay? Don't miss this, that that is so valuable. It's priceless, priceless to invite somebody to share about why they love your cause. If somebody asks me to talk about the work of somebody else, there's something about that it solidifies the relationship. It makes me think about why do I love the work that they're doing? Why do I support them? Why am I sacrificing this time to help them to better the, the work that they're doing? So it just reaffirms and makes that relationship even tighter when they personally share about the work that you're doing. So do not miss out on that part of it, okay? So these home events, I love them. I think that it's important for you to really engage your donors and think through if you invite someone somebody, if you ask somebody to open up their home for you, what do you think is going to happen to that relationship? Right? It's only going to grow stronger because now they just opened up their home to you and they just opened up their Rolodex to their friends to you. So that is huge. That is huge for that relationship. You're going to move that relationship by leaps and bounds by doing an activity like this. So I don't want you to get uh, discouraged if you only have a handful of people who come. I don't want you to to get discouraged if somebody says, you know what, it's not a good fit. Uh, We're just so busy this time of year. Do not feel bad about any of that. You just keep moving forward. You keep inviting people. You keep, uh, you know, just having the conversations and and when you're asking somebody to you know open up their home to you you're it's not a high pressure situation so if they say no it's not like you banked on it it's not like you you know revolved your entire you know fundraising around that one gathering it's purely a hey if you're interested, I would love to have this. I would love for you to consider it. And who knows, it may not happen this year, but maybe it'll happen next year and they'll start really thinking about it. Okay, what time of year do I wanna have a gathering? And when do I think that my friends would be interested in coming and hearing about this great cause? So don't put it, you know, don't, don't miss out on the fact that they will start thinking about it regardless of whether it works out or it doesn't the first time you talk with them, okay? So you just gotta be bold, you gotta reach out, you gotta invite people to be a part and to use what they already have uh, to advance the work that you do. Okay. So those are my six key components of a successful home fundraiser. Once again, logistics, two, your guest list, three, the agenda, four, the materials, five, making the ask, and six, the follow-up. All right. You got my tips. And now, I mean, go book something, go schedule something, go Find that right person to open up their home to you, and go have a home event here before the end of the year. I think that this is a great time to do it. If you can't make it happen by December 31st, which, by the way, don't forget, the largest giving month of the year is December. So we want to make sure that your name gets in front of your prospective donors uh, in the month of December, so that they consider they can consider giving a year-end gift to your cause. Okay, so if you can make something happen in the next couple months, uh, I highly, highly encourage you to make that happen. Okay. All right. If you guys need anything, don't be afraid to reach out. You guys know how to catch me, Mary at maryveloni.com, And of course you can uh, catch me at maryveloni.com on the interwebs. So, all right. Hope you guys have a great week. Let's go change the world. One volunteer and one dollar at a time.